Well, this has uh, been a week that's not unfolded as we expected. I, along with the uh, Wood Buffalo Ministerial, we actually had been briefed by Scott Davis, the Director of Emergency Management, letting us know that we should be prepared for a little bit of flooding and maybe even to assist as churches uh, after the flooding. But uh, at the same time, he was uh, letting us know that the municipality was in uh, good shape to deal with it all. But yeah, the, the best of human modeling is no match for what nature can do. Uh, a once in a century flood uh, with a like 25 kilometer ice jam was not in the modeling. That, that's no fault of those who did the modeling. We live in a region and a, a world where, well, things are just beyond our control. Yeah, they're calling it a once in a century flood. It has pushed close to 13 of us out of our homes and it's been decimating our businesses downtown in Taganova. It stretches from downtown right over to Draper. And then today, today marks the fourth anniversary of the wildfire. On this day, four years ago, 80,000 of us evacuated. 2,500 buildings, as I mentioned before, were totally destroyed and thousands more were, were uh, badly damaged and, and, and almost every building in the city had some sort of insurance claim and we're still recovering from the wildfire and for many of us, it's still a nightmare. But 2020 seems to really want to top that. COVID-19, the collapse of oil prices, and now this flood. One thing I know about this city is that we are a resilient people. We will bounce back and we will pull together and support one another. Hey, at times like this, uh, we really do come together. Like it was so awesome to see how many people were down there sandbagging. So many uh, were volunteering that uh, we, they, some of them had to be turned away. That is so awesome. But I have a suspicion right now. As we come off of this week, I mean, many of us have been living off of a little bit of adrenaline, right? But friends, that adrenaline boost is not going to last and we're going to have to watch it because some of us might just crash real hard and yeah. And if you crash, would you let us know? I mean, let's just be honest. It's been a bit rough, right? I saw this meme on Facebook, uh, I think it was from someone in our church family, I can't quite remember, but uh, the meme went something like this, I'm getting uh, tired of being part of a major historical event, and then one of that person's friends asked, uh, which historical event, and, and the person answered, all of them. Ain't that the truth? And, and I hear people saying, they're saying to me, Doug, I just don't see, I, I just don't see how I'm going to make it through this time. My business is not going to survive this. We're, we're not going to survive financially. We're, we're going to lose our home and everything. I just don't see how this is going to work out. And you know, every time we say, I just don't see how this is going to work. That's a statement of hopelessness. And today, I, I want to tell you with, with all that we've been through and all that we're still going through, and, and quite frankly, we'll be going through for a while, how you see will determine how you survive this. How you see will make all the difference. How you see. The big picture of life determines your stability in all of this. It determines your strength to get through this. Jesus said it like this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
Obviously, he's talking about more than physical sight here. He's talking about vision. He's talking about perspective. He's, he's talking about seeing, seeing with spiritual eyes. What he's saying here is that perspective is, is everything, that it's so important to see life clearly, that you see life correctly, that you see life comprehensively and completely, that you learn to see things from God's viewpoint. You know, learning to see things from God's viewpoint, the Bible calls that wisdom. W what is wisdom? Wisdom is to learning, is just learning to see things from God's perspective. Why? Because he sees it correctly, right? I mean, you and me, we don't so often see it correctly. And uh, we tend to see it from a limited perspective and, and we, can't, we tend to look with a bit of cloudy vision. So much time, we, we just kind of go heading through life and we have no clue where we're going and we have no idea what's going on. Life is a mess and that just means our vision is getting cloudy. Now there's an account uh, of Jesus written by the Apostle Mark. We, we call it the Gospel of Mark and the story I, I want to talk about today is a story where the disciples, they, they have a little trouble seeing clearly and and I think that what's happening to the disciples in this story is what's happening to you and me in the middle of this week right now. Okay, I actually don't know about you, so I'll just confess about me. Sometimes when things beyond my control whip up into a whirlwind like they're doing right now, it, it's kind of like, I kind of picture it like being in the middle of a northern Alberta blizzard, right? You're, you're heading up Highway 63 and the snow and the wind is blowing. You're doing it dark at, at night and, and your vision is just clouded and it is not fun. And if we could just understand what, what clouds our vision, then we stand a better chance of being able to clear it up and see things as they really are. Friends, in the mess that we're in today, we, we really need to learn how to see clearly or we won't get out of this mess. I mean, life will have returned to whatever the new normal is going to be, whatever that is, I imagine, but so many of us might end up still walking blindly through it. So let me read to you a story about cloudy vision from the eighth chapter of the gospel according to Mark. And as I do that, I, I want to acknowledge Rick Warren who has, uh, I've heard him speak on this story before and I've grabbed a couple of thoughts from him on that. But let me read the story itself or part of the story as we get started. Then Jesus got into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. The disciples, they discussed why Jesus had said this, and they decided it was because they hadn't brought bread with them. Aware of their discussion, uh, Jesus asked, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your minds closed? You have eyes, but you do not really see. You have ears, but you do not really listen. So here's the scene. Jesus had just done one incredible miracle where he just fed 4,000 people from seven loaves of bread. Right after that, the Pharisees came after Jesus and, and they have the gall to ask Jesus to show them the sign, to prove to them that, that he's the Messiah, that obviously the signs, the two miracles that he just did of, of feeding uh, 5,000 people and then feeding 4,000 people uh, just wasn't good enough. I suspect it's because they weren't there and they kind of wanted their own sign, their own miracle. 
But Jesus, he, he wastes no time with these critics. He doesn't have the time of day with them. So he jumps into a boat with his disciples and they head across to the other side of the lake. And Jesus throws out this statement as they're heading across the lake. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples, they're thinking that Jesus is complaining about the fact that they forgot to bring any bread with them for this trip. So they tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, well, we found a loaf of bread in the boat. Like, who knows how long it's been there, right? But they, they found one. Now, if you listened uh, to last week's message, one of the things I talked about is the disciples, at times, they weren't always the brightest group of guys. And right now, they are missing the point. Man, they are missing the point big time. And uh, Jesus, disciple, all the disciples... Um, they're going, Jesus, what are you talking about? Uh, why should we worry about yeast when we don't have any bread? I mean, it kind of sounds like a Fort McMurray right now, but I digress. Now, as I said last week, I do personally take a bit of comfort from the fact that disciples don't always get it. Why? Because I don't always get it, and maybe you too. But Jesus, he continued to hang around the disciples, and uh, I think, you know, that kind of lets us know that even when we're not all together and don't always get it, he's willing to hang around with you and me too. Here, Jesus is using a metaphor for life, and they think he's talking about literal yeast and bread. Guys, guys, why are you still talking about bread? Do you not see? No, they do not see. Do, do you not see or understand? Are your minds closed? You guys have eyes, but you really don't see. You have ears, but you really don't listen. And sometimes, hey, that's me. Guilty as charged. Then Jesus gives the boys a little quiz. He says, remember when I divided those five loaves of bread and to feed 5,000 people? How, how many baskets did you fill up uh, with leftover pieces of food? And they said, 12. And he said, what about when I divided seven loaves of bread for the 4,000 of people we fed? How many baskets did you fill with leftover pieces of food? And, and they said, seven. And Jesus said, and you still don't understand. You don't get it. And the answer is they just couldn't see clearly. They just didn't see. Hey, Jesus had just done two spectacular miracles. And then the Pharisees turn on Jesus. And uh, they don't think these miracles qualify as a good enough evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. And they want their own miracle. And, and all of this is going on as it's all happening. All the disciples can see is the bread they forgot to bring with them. What, what, what's the problem here? Here's what I think. What's keeping the disciples and yeah, what's keeping you and me from seeing life clearly? It's short-term thinking. When I'm only focusing on the short-term, when, when I'm only thinking about the here and now and, and not on what God wants to do in my life in the long-term, I'm, I'm, when I do that, I'm just not seeing clearly. When I think about my current comfort and, and not my long-term character, when, when I think about my happiness and, and not my holiness, when I think about enjoying now instead of preparing for eternity, when, when I'm thinking about the bread that I'm missing, the, the home that is flooded, the job that I just might lose, when I keep my focus on those things, I'm going to miss what God really wants to do in my life. Short-term thinking. 
Short-term thinking is where I can't see past my immediate circumstances, and yes, my immediate, very difficult cir circumstances. Friends, I do not want to make light of anything you're going through right now. But short-term thinking, right? This is what happened with the disciples. Jesus, he's, he's trying to get them to look beyond and teach them a lesson. He, he's talking to them about life, and they think he's talking to them about lunch. They just can't get their mind off of the lunch that isn't there. Kind of short-term thinking. Jesus is talking about their behavior, and they're talking about bread. He's, he's talking about the need for maturity, and, and, and they're talking about their next meal. That's short-term thinking. My, stumping, my stomach is growling, and all I'm thinking about is how bad I feel right now. I, I wish I could get some sleep. I, I wish I could get some food or whatever. It's related to our need for convenience and pleasure, short-term pleasure. Short-term thinking causes us to not see how God is working in our lives. And just think about what we're in the middle of right now, the mess that we're in this week, the mess that we're in this season of life. We're all caught up in, in the moment, the floods, a, a home that's been damaged, maybe even destroyed, a, a, a business that we're, that's just struggling, the, the tanking economy and, and what it's doing to my job, and, and then this COVID-19 thing. Hey, this is legitimate stuff that's rocking our world right now. But we got to look beyond the here and now. We got to get past our short-term thinking and, and short-term catastrophizing and, and get our eyes on Jesus and ask God to show us what he is doing in our lives through these circumstances. And I tell you, God is writing a story in your life right now, right now in the mess. It's a story of his grace and power at work in your out-of-control circumstances. Do you see the story that God is writing? No, a lot of us can't see right now because like the disciples, we're just so focused on the bread that isn't there. But take a look at these words of the Apostle Paul. This is what we need to see. This is the big picture. This is our God at work in our messy circumstances. Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, we got to step beyond what we immediately see, the floodwaters, the crashed economy. We got to snap out of our short-term thinking, get our eyes on Jesus and, and see that he's at work in this mess. We got to do this, really. Just get your eyes on Jesus because the promise of God to you and me is that in all things, that's all things. I mean, fire, flood, economic collapse, disease, uh, uh, relationship foul-ups, uh, you name it. God will work in all of these things for our good. He will. It, it, it's a promise of God. Get your eyes on Jesus and see clearly. See down the road. Uh, see beyond the mess you're in right now. And see the hands of Jesus compassionately stretched out to you, promising that he will get you through this. This is a promise of God to everyone who loves him, who is following him, who is keeping their eyes on him. The second thing that uh, keeps me from seeing like clearly is short-term memory. You got short-term thinking and you got short-term memory.
Here's an example of where, where Jesus has to remind his disciples of a couple of things that has just happened. He reminds them of two miracles. Remember, they're all worried about bread. And Jesus says, guys, who's in the boat with you? I'm the guy who, who just took a few loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people with it. I'm a, the guy who just took a few other loaves of bread and fed 4,000 people. And you're worried about lunch. Hello, what are you thinking? I am with it. And as I am with you, hey, you're not going to go hungry if you, you know, you're not going to go hungry if you hang around with me. What has happened here? The disciples, just like you and me, how quickly we forget, right? How quickly we forget. God does something good in our lives. He answers a prayer. He, he bails us out. He, he helps us with a miracle. Then the next time a problem comes our way, we, we act as if we, you know, as if none of that ever happened, right? We have short-term memory and we forget. And friend, when I can't remember past blessings, I start fearing the future. I stop uh, thinking that God will do it again because I'm not even thinking that he did it in the first place. When I have short-term memory, I start worrying unnecessarily about tomorrow. What we're talking about, learning to see from God's viewpoint, having spiritual vision is, it's absolutely essential. Learning to uh, see from God's viewpoint uh, lowers your stress. It, it gives you stability. It, it strengthens you. It strengthens you to live well. As we start, you know, we actually don't really know what's going to happen with the price of oil, right? Do you? No, none of us know. Uh, what's going to happen with the oil industry? We don't know. It could boom again or not. As we start to loosen restrictions around COVID-19, we, we don't know if that's going to work or not. We don't know if we're going to be hit with a second wave that is worse than the first wave. Heck, we don't even know what the symptoms of COVID-19 are. I mean, we keep adding to the list every week, it seems. Friends, the key to you making it through this mess to hanging in there, no matter how long this mess stays with us, is hope. You got to have hope. You, you absolutely have to have hope. And where do you get hope? You get hope when you see straight. You, you get hope when you see clearly. You, you get hope when you see God at work in the middle of your mess. The Apostle Paul says, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What's he talking about? I mean, obviously, we don't have eyes in our hearts. But what Paul is talking about is spiritual vision, seeing, clearing, seeing the way God sees, seeing our circumstances from God's point of view. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hope. So as your pastor, I, I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that you would see clearly that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you may know hope. And the place you get hope is by keeping your eyes on Jesus. You, you get hope by seeing your circumstances through God's eyes, knowing that he is at work for your good, and he is. And friends, this is the message of communion. 
Today we're going to wrap up our time together by taking bread and juice that represents the body and blood of Jesus and partaking together in your homes as I partake here. So uh, if you need to get your elements, your, your bread and your juice or your wine, whatever, now's the time. It's because of Jesus' death on the cross that, that we can see clearly. His death is all about him taking the sin and the mess and the junk of the world. And by his death, all these things can be made right. Disease, broken economies, fire, floods, yada, 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 are all part of what it means to live in a broken world, uh, broken by the curse of sin. We live in a broken, sin-wrecked world. But the death of Jesus removes that curse. And we have the promise that because of Jesus' death, he is making all things new. Your mess is not the end of your story. Your mess is not even the whole story. Your whole story is that your mess was nailed to the cross with Jesus. He bore your mess on the cross. You will be all right. You will get through this. And come eternity, you will live in a new world where everything is made right. Because of the cross, the apostle John tells us God himself will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Behold, I am making everything new. And now, because of the cross, we can ask that our God would move through this mess and make things new for us even now, even today. Our story is not the story of mess. Our story is a story of the God who is so crazy in love with us that he will bring us through the mess so that when we get on the other side, friends, that we are stronger and better able to live lives that are powerful, that live in love like Jesus. And that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He, he purchased the opportunity for us to experience this new life, this new beginning, this making everything new and right now. We, we can begin to taste it now and we will fully experience it come eternity. So will you join me as we spend some time at the, at the table as we remember the death of Jesus for us? The bread and the juice. Let me read to you uh, some words that the Apostle Paul gave us. Uh, that we use often in communion uh, to remember Jesus' death on the cross for us. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, right? And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so in a moment, I'm going to first pray but this bread represents the body of Jesus nailed to the cross and nailed to the cross with him was your sin, your mess, and the brokenness of this world. It's an awesome reality. We don't have to live in the mess, even when we feel like we're in the mess. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that Jesus wants to lift us out of the mess and give us the power to live right with the promise that he will make all things new now and come eternity. Let, let me pray for, let me pray for the bread. Father, I thank you for this opportunity right now to remember you and to remember your love and to remember your death on the cross that makes it possible for us to live differently, to live above our circumstances, 
to know your power and to know that you love us and that you are working all things out for our good and your glory. Lord, we take bread and we eat it as an act of worship and remembrance. And we do so to see your name magnified and glorified, to see people touched and changed by the Jesus who is alive today, where death did not hold him down. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Would you join with me and partake together? Let me continue to read. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This cup represents the blood of Jesus shed on our behalf. And it cleanses us. It washes us. It, it takes the stain of sin and it removes it from us. And it is what's going to wash this world clean when Jesus returns. Friends, there's a new world coming. And even in the messy world, because of Jesus, his death, we can rise above it. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us, cleanses us, and not just us, but this entire world. I think of the scripture that says the whole world groans waiting for its redemption. Lord, we are groaning, and we pray that we would experience a foretaste of that redemption even now in our circumstances, and we look forward to it come eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for us and shedding your blood for us. Thank you that there's power in the blood to transform our lives now and forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, will you keep your eyes on Jesus, his finished work on the cross? Will you trust him? even when you don't understand? Will you allow him to give you clear vision? Will you look beyond the present circumstances and see that God is at work doing very amazing things in your life, that his story is much bigger than what's happening right now. His story is he is transforming you so that you get through to the other side stronger, with more passion, with the ability to even have a greater impact on this world. Allow Jesus to fill and empower you right now.